Welcome back to the Building Stewards Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Brooks, and I'm here to guide you on your stewardship journey through education, encouragement, and engagement. Around Christmas time every year, there's a tension that breaks out within me, a tension between taking in Advent season and preparing our hearts for what Christmas really means and the commercialism of Christmas and what the world tells us Christmas should be. Uh, And so I wanted to just create some space around how we as Christians should maybe redefine Christmas and the time leading up to Christmas and in regards to giving and how we experience it. And I know we're closing in on Christmas really quick. It's about a week away. Most people have probably already done all their shopping um, and most of their giving for the holidays, but still, nonetheless, I think this is a great message to hear and reflect on and process it as we're in the Advent season and maybe put into more practical approach for the next year. One of my favorite quotes uh, that I always think of during this time of year is from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and it was Cindy Lou Who, and it was at the very beginning when everyone's rushing around and buying last-minute gifts. She says, everybody seems too kerbobbled. Isn't this just a little superfluous? So those are a couple big words right there, uh, and I don't know if you're like me, but I had to look those up initially. So kerbobbled means mixed up or confused, and superfluous means unnecessary and excessive. So really getting at the fact that they had it backwards um, in the movie when they were rushing around and just buying gifts and everything was done in an excessive and an unnecessary manner. And I feel that to my core, um, as we as Christians and even myself, we can get things backwards when it comes to this time of year. And I don't want this... Uh, episode to be anti-gift um, and anti-against buying gifts for for friends and family and loved ones. Uh, I can often come across as just minimalist and that I, uh, <laughs> that people might perceive me as not in, wanting to enjoy the things in life, and that's not what it is. It's really coming back to aligning our resources and our time to what matters most, and that's what I want to, to get to, you know, in this um, episode. So, And the reason that I bring this up is that the trend for Americans, uh, and including Christians, has historically been excessive when it comes to gift-giving around the holidays. And there's a deeper cause, a root problem around how excessive we tend to get around the holidays and Christmas in general. And I think it takes often some deep reflection into what that is. It takes a lot of questions um, and you know, no one can really lead us into that except ourselves and if we're willing to acknowledge what the actual truth is. So some people might be coping. That is kind of their coping mechanism um, around that time is just to buy gifts. And there's definitely been studies that have shown uh, a release of dopamine um, in the brain that is triggered and released when we buy things um, and are experiencing that gratification. Another way that this has become excessive is this is how a lot of people show that they care about someone, that that they love them. Um, But if the love language of the person receiving it isn't gift giving or receiving gifts, I should say, then it could be totally missing uh, the mark when it comes to to this area. And I should say the, the real problem around being too excessive with gift giving and what we tend to extend to others during this season is the fact that it really takes away from the real reason of Christmas and preparing our hearts for 
what it actually meant and means that that Jesus came down um, off his throne and was born as a child to live a life as a, a human, but also God, and eventually um, intercede on our behalf and give his life for us that we may be made whole in the eyes of God. So that is what the consequence of this excessive season of gift giving actually means is it takes away from the the true meaning of Christmas and what we should be focused on as Christians. And uh, some of the ways that this actually can kind of block what that real meaning Christmas is, is just the mounting anxiety from the expectations of gift giving. Maybe it's the debt that follows Christmas because you couldn't afford the gifts that you got, but there was an expectation to get those gifts. It could be the issue of receiving gifts. Um, And I know for a lot of people, it is extremely difficult to receive a gift and not return a gift in in exchange. It's this idea that you have an obligation that you don't like to owe anyone anything. I am kind of in this camp. It is really hard for me to receive gifts. Um, And it's something I continue to, to work on. But as I look at actually receiving those gifts, I look back to Jesus and actually that gift. If I um, receive that gift, I need to be able to receive gifts of others and allow them to bless me in that regard. So what are some alternatives to handling this season of life and Christmas and giving? So I know there's a lot of cool things out there, and I'm sure you've probably heard some here and there, but I love the idea of um, having a Christmas where you don't do any gifts. And instead of buying gifts, you use that money that you would have bought gifts to bless someone else, to give to a charity, give to your church, give to worthy causes that could really have an impact from that financial gift. I know a lot of people that have foregone gifts for a Christmas to sponsor a family. Our church is heavily involved with an organization, a platform called Care Portal. And what this platform does is it connects needs and resources. So for those that have the financial capacity to give and want to give, they can give monetarily, they can give other resources, whether it's materials and items, to those that need them. And it all goes through, you know, it goes through the state platform first. So it's actually caseworkers that are reaching out to the Care Portal platform with their requests and those requests then go out to the respective churches and organizations that are willing to lean into uh, those tough places and help their neighbors out. So really just understanding and knowing and being aware of your local needs would make this a really easy option to just forego gifts for Christmas and give to those causes instead. Another alternative that I like that my family tries to stick to somewhat is doing four gifts. And within these four gifts, you would give um, something that the other person needed, something that the other person wants, something that the other person can wear, and something that the other person can read. Um, And so you get a nice little array of a little bit of everything while not going overboard and buying 20 gifts. Another alternative that I love is investing and spending on experiences instead of items. So typically when you buy things for Christmas, I can attest to this, when I get stuff for Christmas, you kind of use it for those first few weeks and then it may get tucked away and you might not see it again for a very long time. And I'm always a big proponent of getting practical stuff for that reason. But 
I love that investing in experiences could be a great option to combat um, just cluttering and getting more items and stuff to fill your home with. So, um, and what this really does is you're doubling down on relationships and the intimacy with those relationships. You're creating memories, you're spending time with people. And anytime that we can get and remain in proximate location with other people and relationships, um, double down on those put a lot of emphasis in those things. So that's why I love investing in experiences instead of um, things. Now you can go overboard and you can get excessive with investing in experiences. I'm not naive to that. So that would be something you need to keep in check and maybe set limits and boundaries. But overall, I think we need to be taking advantage of every opportunity that we have to spend with people. If given the opportunity to buy a gift or spend time with a person, I would say always err on the side of spending time with people. No matter how you choose to give during the holiday season, I think there's a couple messages, a couple things that we want to convey with our giving. We want to convey the hope and generosity as it pertains to the gospel. And that's, you know, that's the whole reason, right, why we, we give gifts. Um, and it's really kind of rooted in the gospel, right? Um, and it's very symbolic, and it's just like Easter. There's a lot of symbolism that's tied into the physical actions and traditions that we do around that holiday and what it actually means. Um, and so take the time to really reflect on why we actually do gifts. Um, giving gifts is, is great, and a lot of people feel loved by it. And um, it is a, it's a kind gesture, and there's a lot of uh, relational capital that can be built there and um, emotions that can get tied up into that. But I think we do need to bring it back to the generosity and hope of Christ and kind of what God was willing, the extent that God was willing to go to to make us whole through the eyes of his Son. Um, and so this Christmas season, just think about that. Just remember that that's why we do gifts um, is because it's very symbolic and we can tie it back to the gospel really easy. And especially for you all that have families and kids, um, be mindful of that. Be mindful of at least hitting on why, why gifts are a part of the Christmas tradition. And one other thing when it comes to giving during the Christmas season is... I encourage you to whatever route that you decide to go this year or next year, the year after, I do believe, I firmly believe there should be some sacrificial component tied up in our giving. Um, and I just think that is just fruitful for our faith. Uh, I think it reflects our maturity and transformation. Um, and it just brings us back to God owns it all, right? Um, and I talk about that and I harp on that a lot. Uh, just as being stewards, we have to realize that what we have doesn't belong to us. We are managers of that and God owns it all. So when it comes to it, when it comes to giving, I think a component of the Christmas season should be sacrificial. Now you have the autonomy and authority to dictate what that looks like, whether that is sacrificing your time, your money, your expertise, anything that you have available to you, I do think this season of Christmas is a great time to lean into that that sacrificial posture. Alrighty, we have another mailbag question. This time it is from Kevin from Florida, and he 
left me this message. I'd like to know more about the static and fixed expenses that would align well with using a credit card. So this is in reference to episode six, our three biggest financial mistakes. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes, but I pretty much referenced that credit cards can be a slippery slope for spending, um, especially if you aren't disciplined around more of the discretionary and fluid categories like maybe food or entertainment and the things of sorts. So I, I, in that episode, I said credit cards are good for static and fixed expenses that don't change much or they don't require any discipline. Um, they're going to be necessary expenses. There's just not this component of utilizing discipline over those expenses. So um, he wanted me to elaborate a little more on that. So I literally just went through my budgeting software, YNAB, and went through the the credit card account and and highlighted some of these static and fixed expenses. So anything utility related um, was was something that came up for me. So internet, electric, sewer charges, natural gas, trash and garbage. Those are some expenses that are, one, going to be paid each month. They have to be paid or they shut it off. Uh, Two, they, they might fluctuate in amount, but it's not tied to me being disciplined in one area or another. So I feel okay. I feel fine with putting those on a credit card. Now, one thing I will say, um, especially about utilities, is it makes less sense to use your credit card on those utilities if there's a processing fee attached to that. So there are some utilities that that may do that. Um, I think for me, water is, uh, is a utility that they assess a processing fee. So I opted not to put that on the credit card and pay that via my bank account instead. Um, You can look at the processing fee and do the math and see if it is worth putting on your credit card if you're going to get, you know, cash back um, in, in an amount that's more than that processing fee. But typically that's not going to be the case because most credit card transaction processing fees start at around 3%. Insurance premiums, again, Uh, expenses that will need to be paid. You know when they're going to get paid. Um, They tend to not fluctuate much. You know they need to be paid in order to ensure the things in your life. So these are things that I feel comfortable with, whether it's health, dental, auto, um, etc. So insurance premiums are another static uh, expense for us. Membership fees and subscriptions. Again, fees that you know are going to be maybe monthly or uh, semi-annually or annually. Um, typically aren't going to change much. You're going to have to pay them in order to use the service or feature that you're you're paying for. Uh, now, this is a little plug to be mindful of these recurring expenses of subscription and fees that can add up pretty quickly. So as long as you are conscious about those expenses in your budget, you feel good about the value that you're getting for those and that you know that they're going to kind of remain and, and provide value in your life then go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and um, allow those to be on your credit card if you if you want. Any expenses that are going to be reimbursable in nature. So one that we just had was we had a um, an oral surgery expense that came up for our daughter that had an abscess tooth. So it was uh, hundreds of dollars and we put it on the credit card. We had the money in an uh, HSA health savings account. So we put it on a credit card, one, to get the rewards, but two, it's just uh, a little a grace period until we can file 
the file to withdraw through the HSA account to get the money. So um, we know once that money comes in, it's going to get allocated to that expense and, you know, through our through YNAB, which makes it real easy and we don't have to worry about it. Okay, last one. Um, any true expenses that you are saving up for? So uh, true expenses is language that YNAB uses. You need a budget. Um, if you need a little plug, they're not paying me for this, but if you don't have a budgeting solution or a tracking solution, uh, check out YNAB. I'll put it in the show notes, but by far the best budgeting solution that I've found on the market. Um, and I, I use it quite a bit and I talk about it quite a bit. So they use true expenses uh, within their process. And true expenses are expenses that aren't necessarily monthly expenses, but you know they're going to occur at some point um, in the year or the foreseeable future. So this could include if you're paying insurance premiums that aren't monthly. So we pay insurance twice twice a year. So we know that they're going to occur. We know the approximate timeline. So we need to be saving each month for those expenses. So that would be something that, again, kind of I would be okay with putting on the credit card. Other, other true expenses are auto maintenance, um, home maintenance, things that you know eventually you know you're eventually going to need new tires or you know you're eventually going to need uh oil changed or a water pump's going to go out or something with your house is going to ha- you're going to need a new water heater um so ideally you're saving for these things in advance and when it comes time to actually use those funds um, as long as they're there i'm fine with putting that on the credit card getting the rewards and then just paying off the the credit card. So again, it comes back to having the discipline to actually make sure the funds you know get applied to your credit card. But um, if that's the case, I'm fine with paying true expenses with a credit card and paying it off. And so on the contrary, just a reminder to stay away from expenses that can easily get away from you that maybe you can lose some control over through poor discipline or um, poor discretion. So these are categories like food. And you might be thinking, well, like we need food, like it's a necessity. It is a necessity. What often happens though, is when you're at the grocery store, you can, you know, see something that wasn't on your list. You know, how many times does it happen when you have your list, but then you see something that looks good. And all of a sudden, when you check out, you went $30 over budget. Um, But then also like dining out, right? How convenient is it to just get something to go quick when you're, you know, running behind or this or that, you know, dining out just often sounds good. And so that is a a category that we often uh, lose control over. Anything entertainment related um, is is often a dangerous category for getting out of control. Um, And then anything that offers immediate gratification, I think that's really what it comes back to is being aware of the categories that will provide you with immediate gratification because those first and foremost should be red flag areas and maybe areas that we shouldn't be using our credit card on. So, and this is just a small plug. If you have historically had trouble with credit cards and overspending and carrying a balance, then hear me hear me say this, that you need to not use credit cards. You need to get that under control and eliminate that problem. And often that is a deeper issue um, that you probably need to process through. Um, You need to reflect and observe and and be a little prayerful about why you've amassed or accumulated credit card debt. If it is a chronic problem, then you need to not be using a credit card for a while until 
you have had some transformation in that area and rewired how you look and view um, charging things and buying things. Okay, Kevin, I hope that answers your questions. I know I feel I got a little long-winded there, but wanted to give you enough information, maybe some other people enough information about what I meant when I said static and fixed expenses going on the credit card. And one last thing before I let you go is if you could do me a favor and continue to share this with any family, friends, colleagues, anyone that you think would benefit from this podcast, I would appreciate you so much for that. Word of mouth works, um, but if you can share it via your podcast app, that would be appreciated as well. So if I don't get another episode out in time, I wish you have a wonderful Christmas. I wish you have Um, just time between now and Christmas to really spend in solitude and, you know, reflect on the true meaning and real reason of Christmas. So until next time, the best is yet to come. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Because it is general in nature, it does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a financial decision. This podcast is not engaged in legal, financial, or other professional services.